I grew up a Sunday morning Presbyterian and later a youth group Methodist. Church was an obligatory respite, if in practice a little boring. Only deep into my teens did my faith become one where sin and salvation were fixed, battling entities in my life. When I was a high school senior, I found myself at a church hall dance in a neighboring town. I'd met the Christian electronica pumping DJ a few times. He was straight edge and single. His pants were baggy and he wore his hair long on top with frosted tips. I climbed onto the stage where he was hunched over CDs to say hello. I thought I was flirting. He asked me something, grabbed my hand, and prayed. The thumping drive of the music was so loud I couldn't hear what he said, but when done, he pulled me into a hug. His salty teen boy cologne clung to his t-shirt, which had little rips at the neckline. I thought he might like me. He turned off the music and asked me to testify at the mic. Evidently, I'd just been saved. My heart pounded with reverb from the now-muted music. Had I missed it? My eyes missed it up, not over my salvation, but panic that I'd done it wrong and now needed to tell a lie. About Jesus. My mind raced for an alternative. Spill family secrets to a room of sweaty teens. Things have been hard at home. That much was true, and good reason for divine intervention. My dad, I trailed off. As mortified as I was not to know what to say about Jesus, I also could not bring myself to voice the details of my home life. It was my job to protect my mom from my father, including the public shame of acknowledging how bad his drunken rages got. Each night, I prayed to God for safety, waiting for my father to pass out. Where was Jesus then? Now, anticipation of public declaration about my frightful home life, a condition I'd prompted, choked the words in my throat. My eyes stung. I couldn't say more. The DJ supportively and platonically squeezed my shoulder. He took the mic. He could chalk up another salvation by way of sacred techno. Jesus had a new soul, one who was never positive she'd actually been saved, I didn't even grasp what salvation might mean exactly. Saved from what? To what end? Soon after, I got to know a Pentecostal preacher's son. We dated briefly, and his whole youth group laid hands on me, speaking in tongues. I worried their state resulted from my evident condemnation. If I hadn't been so eager to crack the formula for salvation, I doubt I would have been so susceptible to influences eager to define sin to tell me who I was in relation to God's kingdom. But one of my best friends, another preacher's son, took me with him to a Bible study in the cushy suburban home of an evangelical pastor. I sat uneasy in the pastor's homemaker tidied living room as conversation inevitably strayed to damnation of all sorts, gays, immodest women. I wanted faith to bring me closer to heaven. All the talks seemed to be about hell. Yet, a holy desire consumed me. In that dank prism, I somehow found a defiantly compassionate God. My usual practice of prayer for God's protection turned into a torrent of conversation with a loving God whom I pictured preparing a better life for me. When I helped other people, I felt a lightness inside that hearkened to the divine. 
Eventually, I began thinking God was calling me to become a minister. When I told my good friend who took me to Bible study, pity filled his clear, gentle eyes. Overlooking our female associate pastor, he reminded me that, according to Paul, women should not hold authority in church. A seed of uncertainty rooted itself within. If I could be wrong about that call, how else might I have erred? What kind of God wouldn't trust women to lead? Why, from a Bible with so many inherent contradictions and antiquated practices, was this a mandate that should stubbornly loom over me? I studied, prayed, eventually went off to divinity school. My questions could not square. I graduated an apostate.